Would you turn this evening to the book of Matthew, the 12th chapter, Matthew 12. And for those of you that haven't been with us, we began, I don't know, what, four or five weeks ago, a series we call Receiving and Ministering Healing. And after some prayer and, and waiting on the Lord about it, the Lord spoke to us that many would be healed during this series. And we've already got a number of testimonies, but I believe the best is yet to come. And so uh, we have begun going through the four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, looking at the ministry of Jesus and seeing individuals that were healed in his ministry. And uh, if you put them together, there are only about 19 such individuals. Now, that doesn't mean that's all the people that got healed in Jesus' ministry, because numerous times it talks about a multitude that got healed. It talks about as many as touched got healed. It talks about great multitudes, plural, got healed. Well, that's a lot of people. A lot of people. But there's only about 19 where we're told who got healed, what was wrong with them, what they did, what Jesus did. And how many know the Lord has never changed? If he worked that way then, he works the same way now. How many know he's no respecter of persons? If he did it for them, he'll do it for you or for anybody else that will believe like they did. Right? So we're immersing ourselves. In this, because faith comes by hearing. Right? Well, if you want faith for healing, then you should hear about healing. Right? Hearing about water baptism doesn't necessarily give you faith to be healed. Right? You want to, you want to focus in. And what sometimes people don't realize is, I've, I've had people uh, want me to go visit somebody in the hospital, and I did. And uh, they said, they have a lot of faith, you know. They have a lot of faith. And after talking to them for about five minutes, you see they have no faith to be healed. But they had faith in another area. Good, good person, loved God, had, had faith to pray in other areas, faith to serve, faith to give. But that doesn't mean you have faith to be healed. Faith is the same in essence. It works the same in all areas, but it must be fed and exercised and developed in each area. Amen. Amen. And another thing, you know, just because your faith was strong in an area 10 years ago doesn't mean it's strong right now. You know, you have to keep feeding it and you have to keep exercising it for it to grow. Faith is a whole lot like muscles. You don't use it. You lose it. Huh? But the good thing about muscles, you can get them back. Right? You know, you can, you can start back to work and exercise and build up again, get strong again. Well, you can feed your faith and exercise your faith and get strong in faith again. You can be stronger in faith than you've ever been if you'll feed and exercise. Well, let's study tonight then this healing. What is this? Is this the fifth one or? Is that right? Fifth one we've studied. I'm not necessarily doing them in chronological order of how scholars say they occurred. I'm just endeavoring to be led each week. But uh, this one tonight is the healing of the man with the withered hand. The man with the withered hand. And we'll start in Matthew 12. And in verse 9, I should have told you to find the other places too. Find Mark 3. And find Luke 6. Matthew 12, Mark 3, Luke 6. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word tonight. We acknowledge and confess that you are our healer. We believe that you still heal today. Just like we read about in the Bible. We believe you're alive today just like then. We believe you haven't changed What was your will then is your will now. Open our eyes and our ears and our heart to see good things out of your word. Quicken our spirit. Feed us. Illuminate us. Enlighten us. Let truth come in that pushes out deception and and lies and confusion. Revelation of truth that sets us free. And we'll not be hearers only, but by your grace we'll be doers. 
and act on the word. And we know as we do, you're faithful to watch over your word and perform it in our lives. Get glory to yourself in the health and keeping and life and longevity of our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Matthew 12, 9, healing of the man with the withered hand. Are y'all with me tonight? Y'all believing with me? You understand that what kind of service we have is not just all up to me. This is not entertainment. Right? This is not like going to a show. This is not like going to a movie. Right? Not like going to a concert. Uh, The Holy Ghost is here. He's our teacher. He's real. He teaches you. Amen. I'm a vessel he uses. He could use somebody else here tonight. I happen to be the one that's here tonight. But he's your teacher. He can say things to you I didn't say. He can say things to you about what I said in between the lines. How many know he can give you an answer you've been looking for 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 decades? You can just see it and go, that's, that's, that's why. That's it. Hmm? Revelation. Does God really talk to us? Does he really meet us? What an awesome thing. You know, if the world knew that, we couldn't fit them in here tonight. That God is really here and he's really talking and he's really moving. And I believe he really heals. I believe he really heals. So if you're hurting or if you had a problem in your body, get ready to be free from it. Because the Bible said he sent his word and healed them. Just as we read the scripture. How many of you know there's healing power in these words? We can read them in faith. You can hear them in faith. And be healed before we have a chance to go to point two. Hmm? Yeah. Matthew 12. Nine. And when he, Jesus, was departed thence, he went into their synagogue. And behold, Matthew twelve ten, behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. Different translations say it was shrunk, drawn up. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days that they might accuse him? And he said to them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep? And if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Then saith he to the man, Stretch forth your hand. And he stretched it forth. And it was restored whole like is the other. That's where you praise God right there. You think, oh, glory to God. A miracle of healing. How many believe that really happened? Happened just like the man's hand was withered and drawn up. And it just unfolded and filled out and became supple and normal and strong just like the other one. Everybody say it happened. And it can happen again. Then the Pharisees uh, lifted their hands and praised God. Oh, (laughs) that's what they should have done. Uh Uh-oh, it's those Pharisees again tonight. You remember those a few weeks ago? Well, they're back with us. They went out and held a council against him how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence and didn't minister healing again. Mm -mm. When he knew it, that they wanted to hurt him and destroy him because of the healing ministry, great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. Hallelujah. Glory to God. (laughs) Go to Mark 3. Do you, do you love the Word? Yes. There's no such thing as loving God and being indifferent about His Word. Amen. Hmm? Amen. No such thing as loving God and being ho-hum about the Bible. Amen. Oh, the Bible. Who can understand the Bible? You know? No, if you love God, you love this book. Because this is Him talking to you. Amen. Amen. You love every one of these words. I mean from index to maps. You love this book. Amen. 
Mark 3, 1. And he entered again into the synagogue. And there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he said to the man which had the withered hand, Stand forth. And he said to them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger. Now you don't see too many times where it says the Lord was angry. What makes him angry? Well, we're going to talk about this. He was angry and he was grieved for the hardness of their hearts. And he said to the man, stretch forth your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Hmm. Now go to Luke 6, please. Now the reason we read all three is because it's three accounts, different accounts of the same healing. And you'll find that Matthew will say something that Mark and Luke didn't say. And Mark will say something that Matthew and Luke didn't say. And vice versa. You really have to put them all together to get the whole story. How many understand if the Holy Ghost saw fit to record it for us three times, then we ought to look at all three. Luke 6. Luke 6. It's not just uh, redundant and unnecessarily repetitive. There's a different emphasis. In fact, you'll find there's a different emphasis in each gospel account. Sometimes people say, well, Matthew's gospel, Mark's gospel. No, one gospel. There's not three or four gospels. One gospel. But the Holy Ghost brought the account of the same gospel through Matthew. He brought it through Mark. He brought it through Luke, through John. And there's a different emphasis. You see it from the same thing from a different side. And in Luke 6 and 6. And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. You know, he did a lot of teaching. Why would he do a lot of teaching? Because faith is the determining factor. And how does faith come? Not by praying for faith. Not by asking somebody to lay hands on you and give you some faith. Doesn't come that way. Comes by hearing. And hearing by the word. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. Now see, nobody else told us that. It was the right hand. Who told us it was the right hand? Dr. Luke. Right. (laughs) We've already been seeing that, hadn't we? Dr. Luke, he was a physician. And we saw earlier with Peter's mother-in-law, everybody said she had a fever. He said she had a great fever. He gives us a degree for it. And what was it recently? What was the other thing? Yeah, the leper, that's right. The leper, Dr. Luke's, they said he was leprous. Dr. Luke said he was full of leprosy. He gives us a more complete diagnosis. And here he told us which hand it was. It was the right hand. And it was withered. If you look up some of the words, like we said, it has to do with being shrunk. Taylor said his right hand was deformed. Whatever reason was, it wasn't uh, normal, probably wasn't usable. It was drawn. It was pulled, withered shrunk, deformed. You get the picture. And Jesus was in there teaching. And the man that had the withered, shrunk, deformed hand was in there. And verse 7, it said the scribes, these are people who have degrees in theology, which is not necessarily bad in of itself, but how many know you can know Greek and Hebrew and Latin and not know God? Nothing wrong with education, nothing wrong with study, but it's not about what you know, it's about who you know, right? It's not about information, it's about relationship. And these guys had information, and they thought they knew all this stuff about God, but they didn't know Him. 
And they thought they knew about the writings of the prophets. And they thought they knew about the Christ. You know, they're the ones that got up and, and read this and spent decades of their life studying the law and the prophets. And they were looking for the fulfillment of Scripture. But here the Messiah is in front of them and they don't recognize him. Isn't that something? Quoting scriptures, not knowing what they're talking about. I don't want that to be me. Do you? And uh, it said they were there and they watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day. Why? That they might find an accusation against him. Now that's just devilish, isn't it? Do we still have people like that today? What a hindrance it is. What a hindrance. Why wouldn't you be concerned about somebody that's sick and you'd be glad if they got healed? You'd be glad if they were hurting and they quit hurting. You'd be glad if their hand was deformed and they could use it again. Why wouldn't you be glad about that? Hmm? Because it disagreed with their theology. And it's a sad thing, but there's a lot of people would rather individuals' needs not be met than for their theology to be upended. It's a sad reality. That, you know, they'd rather see you broke than to believe it's God's will to prosper materially. Hmm? They'd rather see you powerless than to agree that you, people can be filled with the Spirit today. They'd rather see you sick and die than to admit that God still heals today and that healing's for everybody that'll believe. But forget men's traditions. What did Jesus say? What did the Lord say? They're sitting there watching. How many believe Jesus was doing a good job teaching? How many believe it was something to hear? Something you should have been sitting there all ears, absorbing every word. They're hearing the same thing everybody else is hearing, not getting a thing out of it. Sitting there thinking, look at there. There's a fellow with a withered hand. It's a Sabbath day. You watch. I bet you he'll heal him. On the Sabbath day. Watch. And Jesus is teaching this wonderful things. Wonderful revelation is coming out of him. And they're sitting there doing this in the service. One of them saying. You write all this down now. Because we can take it to the judge. We can, we can, we can sue him over this. We can, we can get him arrested I think. You watch. Finding fault. That's devilish. I said, that's devilish. I don't care, you know, how wrong you think somebody is. For you to go and listen to them to find stuff to gripe about. For you to call people and ask people what they said and did so you can gossip and tell somebody else is devilish. Ungodly. Godly people want to see somebody do good. Godly people are not looking for faults. They're looking for something to give thanks for. And sometimes people think, you know, they talk about how they got the gift of discernment. And all this supposed gift ever produces is finding faults in other people. Well, sinners have that gift. No. It takes faith to look through the flesh, to look through people's rough exterior and find something good. It's not a mature Christian who will sit in a service and pick apart a sermon. Sit there and go. That wasn't John 3, 6. It was John 6, 3. And while you're doing that, you just missed something else that was said. Right? And besides that, if you've ever done any speaking, you'd be a little more merciful. There's been times my wife would tell me after service, you know, you said such and such. I said, no, no, I said the opposite. She said, I know that's what you meant, but you said this. People can make a mistake. But if you tuned in to God, you know, I've done this before. I've heard somebody maybe stumble around and I thought, oh, I know what you mean. Go on. Yeah, 
I know what you mean. Go on. Amen. And if you get a bunch of people like that, then there's going to be utterance. There's going to be revelation. But if you get a bunch of folks sitting there like this going, well, I don't know. Who are you? I've heard so-and-so, and I've heard so-and-so, and I've heard the best of them. What can you do? For you, not much. Because, <laughs> see, it's not. This is, these things are not a one-man show. I mean, you and I come together. We believe God together. And it's not about, you, you can't push anything off on anybody. People have to want to hear. They have to want to believe. They have to want to receive. And it's not between me and you. It's between you and God. Amen? God deliver us from these fault finding. Accusation seeking. Educated beyond their intellect. Now, don't misunderstand me. I mean, there is no merit to being ignorant. Did you hear me? There ain't no advantage to being ignorant. You want to learn every good thing you can. You want to develop and grow in all good knowledge that you can. But no matter what you know, you don't know as you ought to know. And even the great apostle Paul. He was a scholar. I mean, he achieved rank as a very young man in, in the scholastic field. He was an orator. He was as sharp as could be. And he, when he got saved and got to God, he said, I count all that stuff as dung compared to the knowledge of knowing him. Amen. Amen. He said, that's the thing. Knowing him. That's the thing. Everybody say, that's the thing. Knowing him. Verse 8. Jesus knew their thoughts. He knew they were sitting there taking notes, trying to find faults, trying to quote him on something, get him in trouble with the authorities. He knew that. And so he said to the man which had the withered hand, <laughs> he didn't play it safe, did he? <laughs> he didn't say, boy, I better, I better lay low. Look at this bunch in here tonight. If I say the wrong thing, this will be all over the papers tomorrow. And this will cause me untold trouble. I'll just wait and heal him tomorrow. Monday will be just as good. Or whatever. Uh-uh. No, it's not just as good. How many know that we must not be ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus? We must not back off. If it costs us, it costs us. If people don't understand, they don't understand. That doesn't make it wrong because the gospel is right. And the truth is right. And you're not going to help other people by backing down. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to fight. You don't have to argue. You just don't back down off the truth. He knew their thoughts. And so he called to the man. He said, uh, rise up, stand forth in the midst. And he rose and stood forth. How many think you'd probably kind of tense in there at that moment? What do you think these scribes and Pharisees are doing? I told you, I told you. Watch. Sabbath day. <laughs> he didn't back off it. He got right in the middle of it. He knew what they were thinking. He walked right over and pointed to the man with the withered hand. He said, you right here, you. He said, me? He said, you. He said, stand up. Get up out of your seat. Stand up right now. <laughs> he stood up. I bet it was quiet in there. Tense. And these guys, these thoughts are racing in their minds. They're thinking, all right, we'll get him. We'll get him now. Are you taking all this down? Are you writing this down? And then while the man's standing up, he turns and asks them a question. He said, I want to ask you one thing. He's looking straight at these Pharisees and, and doctors of the law. Because they, they're supposed to be experts on what is lawful and what is not. He said, is it lawful? Because that's, that's what these guys were all about. Lawful. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days 
To do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? And then he waited on them to reply. They looked at each other. If they say to do good, well, healing's good. (laughs) If they say to do evil, nobody's going to like that. Right? Thank God for the wisdom of God. Now, go back to uh, to Matthew again, because Matthew includes this. He said this before he asked that question. He said, what man shall there be among you that will have a sheep? This is Matthew twelve eleven. We just read it. And if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? Now, he's asking them a question. Of course, these guys were wealthy, a lot of them. They had livestock. A lot of, the, a lot of your wealth in those days wasn't in currency. It was in livestock. Sure, they had sheep. So he wants to know. He looks at them. Dr. So-and-so, your sheep falls into the ditch on the Sabbath day. What do you do? You leave him in there? Or you get him out? Which one? What'd they say? Hmm? Where's their answer? What did they say? <laughs> no, Mark talked about that. They didn't they had no answer. Because what would they do? What would they have done what, about their sheep being in the ditch on the Sabbath day? What do you think? Now let me ask you this. This, this is not just for back then. This is for today. This is God talking to us today. Dog falls down in a hole. He's down there hollering. It's Sunday or any day. What do you do? I know, I know you kneel down at the well and you go, now, Father, your ways are mysterious. And what we need to know is, is it your will for us to get this puppy out of the well? Because maybe you put Fido down there for a reason that we don't know about. And if you put him down there to teach him something, then we don't want to get him out. And so would you reveal to us if it's your will For us to get Fido out of the well today. Now some people, you know, they think, well, watch it. You better watch it, brother. No, you better watch it. I'm quoting Jesus. He compared healing a man to an animal in distress. I I didn't come up with that comparison. He did. And he used it more than once. We'll see this again as we study these examples and these accounts of healing. Yet this is the number one thing in all of the subject and area of healing. This is it. This is the thing millions are stumbling over. This is the thing millions of Christians have their faith completely undermined by this thing. Is it God's will? Is it God's will to heal? Hmm? Well, we've had hundreds of years of confusion preached on this subject. Well, we just don't always know. Or the famous, you just never know. People quote that like it's a scripture. It's not in here. Well, they try to look wise. Well, you just never know. What does that mean? What is Confessing ignorance. Have you ever heard of Dr. Alexander Dowie and how God used him in the turn of the century? He was, uh, he was from Australia, wasn't he? He grew up in a particular denomination that didn't believe 
that it was God's will to heal. They believed that Jesus could heal and the apostles could heal. But when the last apostle died, all that passed away and it ceased. And they had a, a severe problems in their area. People were dying right and left. And he got a revelation out of uh, Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good. Is that what we're reading about here? Is it lawful? The word lawful also means right. Is it right? This is a perfect way of saying it. What is more lawful than the will of God? What is more right than the will of God? So isn't that something else they were asking? Is it the will of God to do good or to do evil on the Sabbath day? And it said how God anointed Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He had never seen that before. And he realized everybody that Jesus healed was oppressed of the devil. Acts 10.38 said so. He began to realize none of those people were oppressed of God in the sickness. They, the Bible calls sickness satanic oppression. Confused preachers call it a mysterious work of God. It's not in here. I know I say it boldly, but you have to because if, you, if you're wavering on this, you can't have faith to be healed. Wondering about this issue will completely destroy your faith to be healed. That's where faith begins. It's where the will of God is known. In his study, he got a revelation of that verse. And he thought, this is not God killing our wives and our, our cousins and our children. I mean, they had, a, they had an epidemic. They had a plague in their air. People were dying right and left. Funerals every day. And a friend of his wife was, was laying at the point of death. He grabbed that verse and ran out of his study. And he went to that hospital room. And he said, I rebuke you. You foul work of the devil. Oppression of sickness. Get out. And the preachers there said, oh, you shut up. You get out of here. Don't you dare touch the work of God. He said, sirs, this is not the work of my father. Amen. Get back. Amen. She come off the bed. And his healing ministry started. And if you know anything about it, some incredible stuff. Whew. They said there was a panel of ministers and physicians, many of them unbelievers, on his platform one night in one of his huge meetings. And a lady came up that had cancer all down the side of her face, huge growth. She was near death because of the thing. He called her up on purpose. Look, turned and looked at these. Some of them were unbelieving preachers. Some of them were unbelieving physicians and scientists and skeptics. He had them up there on purpose. And he said, uh, he said, how many of you believe that God heals today? A lot of them just stood there and looked at him, kind of like this bunch that was sitting there. He walked up to her. He said, in the name of Jesus. And he reached up on the side of her face and took hold of that and pulled that thing off of her face. And baby skin came up under it. Documented by the scientists and the doctors and the preachers. They all saw it. And thousands of people. Where did this kind of miracle manifestation start? He got a revelation that sickness is not the will of God. Amen. He got a revelation that this premature death. I've had people ask me, you know, they, they act in consternation about, well, wonder if it's God's will for this 18-year-old to go home now. Wonder if it's God's will for this 21-year-old to go. No, no, a thousand times, no. 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 I know many have died young. Many have died in middle age from sickness, from accidents. But don't try to tell me it was the perfect will of God. And if they're saved, they're in heaven. Hallelujah. It's better to be with the Lord than to be here. But don't tell me God took them because he needed another angel in the choir. Don't tell grieving loved ones that God loved them so much he had to take them to himself at age 18. Unscriptural. Unbiblical. That kind of stuff turned people against God. It's a lie. I said it's a lie. It's not true. Did you know that death is not of God? 
Hmm? First Corinthians. Some of you didn't know that. Go to First Corinthians 15. First Corinthians. Fifteen. Talking about Jesus in verse twenty five. First Corinthians fifteen twenty five says he must reign. Jesus must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. How many believe it'll happen? Yeah. Verse twenty six. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is what? Death. Death. Death is not a friend. Death is not a blessing of God. Death is an enemy. Now, I didn't say that if you had enough faith, you'd live down here physically forever. No, No, you won't. Because of the curse, because of what's going on right now, it's appointed unto man once to die. But you do have a right to stay here and live a full length of life. Amen. 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 And like the psalmist said, with long life, I'll satisfy him and show him my salvation. I was riding with some folks. This must have been 20 years ago. I was going on a trip with somebody and some friend, minister friends of mine were in the back seat of the car. And I noticed every once in a while they'd holler out, Well, long life, he'll satisfy me. I said, Yeah, praise God. And they just kept driving. After a while, long life, he'll satisfy me. I said, Yeah, yeah, praise God. <laughs> they must have done it a dozen times. Finally, I looked up and realized every time we passed a cemetery, <laughs> they were saying, with long life. Well, you need to get it in you one way or the other. Right? And if something comes up, just like this situation uh, the last couple of days with this uh, 15-year-old that they said had to die. How many know there is no way it is the will of God for that 15-year-old young lady to go to be with Jesus right now? Hmm? There ain't no way that's the perfect will of God. So what do you do? You fight. I said you fight. You stand. And you fight. You do everything you know to fight and believe God. Did you hear me? Now there comes a time when you're 105. And you've done everything that you put on the earth to do. And you're aged and rich and satisfied. And you talk to the Lord that morning. He said, you can come on home if you want to. And you'll say, yeah, I would like to. Let me talk to my kids and grandkids and great-grandkids, and uh, I'll be ready. Amen? Amen. I'm not making this up. There are examples of this in the Scripture. And you call all your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids in, and you you call them in and say, well, Papa's going home today. And they say, well, Papa, you are home. No, home. And you bless them, you pray over them. Speak over them. And like the man of God, draw your feet up in the bed and leave. Go to be with Jesus. Somebody said, well, if you never got sick, how would you die? Easy. Your spirit leaves your body. Your spirit leaves your body. Your body's falling a pile on the floor. You won't have to shoot it or put cancer in it. (laughs) It's like a glove without a hand. Hmm? Spirit's gone. The body will die. But until we're satisfied, let's stay. There's too much to be done. Too much work to be done. I mean, if you live to be 120, it's nothing. It's a vapor. It's here. It's gone. So let's maximize what we have. Go back to Luke, please. You got a few more minutes or you had all you want? (laughs) He said, If you had a sheep and he fell in a ditch, what do you do? Do you pray to see if it's God's will to get Fluffy out of the ditch? No. Or Fido out the hole or whatever. Do you? Then why, pray tell, do people go through all these gyrations of wondering if it's God's will for somebody to be healed or not? Hmm? Where's the justification for it? Where's the scripture for it? 
Did Jesus ever look at anybody out of all the multiplied thousands who came to him to be healed as he walked the earth? Did he ever tell one, just one, did he ever tell one, it's not my will to heal you? Did he ever tell one, no, go and wait a while, it's not time yet? Did he ever tell one, uh, well, the Father's teaching you something through this, and when you learn, you learn. That's fabrications of men. Do we see that in the Acts of the Apostles? With any of the Apostles or any of the disciples, you never see any of this. What we do see is that everybody who came to Jesus to be healed left healed. Every one. Now there were some people he went to that didn't believe him, that didn't receive. But everybody who came to him to be healed left healed. Are we looking at the will of God? Is Jesus, or his words and actions, is that the revealed will of God? For all people, didn't he say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Then we're looking at the will of God. You know, if it wasn't God's will to heal everybody, then we should operate our healing lines and our laying on of hands and our prayer for people differently. Hmm? We shouldn't just pray for everybody to be healed. You'd have to stop at each one. And go, now, Father, is it your will to heal them or not? Because if it's not, I, wanna, I don't want to touch them. Hmm? See, this stuff is inconsistent. If it's not his will to be healed, then don't try to get healed. Why go to the doctor and try to get out of the will of God? Are you with me? See, there are inconsistencies here. How many is it God's will to be saved? All. Not all are saved, but it's still God's will for all to be saved. How many is it God's will to be healed? All. Not all are healed, but it's still his will for all to be healed. Right? It's a fact. And it happens for those who believe. Everybody said out loud, I believe. It is the will of God for all to be healed today. Amen. I'm glad you do. We don't stop. We don't pray. We don't fast. Fido's in the ditch. We get Fido out. Right? Don't have to pray. Don't have to ask the preacher. Don't have to find, try to find five more scriptures to discern it. The dog is in the ditch. Get the dog out. Why did Jesus give us this illustration? The man's sick. Right? What? Let's get the man healed. Right? The dog's in the ditch. Get the dog out. The man's sick. Get the man healed. Can you say amen? amen? Person's lost. What needs to happen? Get it? What if it's not God's will to get them saved? Are you kidding? Man's sick. What do we do? But what if it's not God's will to heal him? Just as ridiculous. Just as ridiculous. Man's broken. Can't pay his bills. What do we do? Let's get in faith. Let's sow seed. Let's believe God for abundance. What if it's not God's will for him to have abundance? Are you kidding? It's people that don't know God. Is God a good God? Is he a God of abundance? Did Jesus, is it the thief who comes and steals and kills and destroys? But is it Jesus who comes to give life and to give it more abundantly? Gives us richly all things to enjoy. Amen? That's Bible. Not somebody's opinion. Say it again. I believe Jesus heals today. I believe it's his will. For me to be healed. Now. I believe it's his will. For all to be healed. Today. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Luke 6. And looking round about them all. He said to the man. Stretch forth your hand. Now let's just stop right there. For years I read this and thought he said extend your arm. But that's not what he said. What did he say? Yeah, but does he have something wrong with his hand? Can he do this? Physically, he hasn't been able to do this for who knows how long. That's the problem. The hand doesn't work. It's withered. He didn't say extend your arm. 
What did he say? Stretch forth your hand. Are you with me? Do you see this? This is how you get miracles now. You know what is the key? It's so simple. A three-year-old can understand it. The key to miracles? The key. It's what Jesus' mother said to him at the wedding. Whatever he says to you, do it. Now, here's the thing. Reasoning will argue. Reasoning will argue with the Lord. But faith will obey. Faith will obey not knowing why. Faith will obey not understanding how this could do any good. Go fill the water pots full of water. They could have said, why? We're busy here. We're serving the guests. We don't need water. We got lots of water. Besides that, you couldn't just go drop a hose in them and turn it on. You had to go to the well. Draw up bucket by bucket. And these were big things. Took a lot of drawing to get them in. But while they're looking with a puzzled look on their face, before that, Jesus' mother said, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. And so when he told them to do that, they just got up and did it. And had a miracle. I said they had a miracle. The water turned into wine. He told this man, stand up. So the man's been standing up the whole time. Jesus has been talking about sheep in the ditch. And what's lawful and what's right and asking them questions. They're glaring at him and glaring at each other. And I imagine he feels the tension going, whoa, what did I get into? And Jesus is teaching and talking about sheep in the ditch and this and that. Then he looks at him. He says, hey, stretch out that hand. Now, he could have got in his head, couldn't he? And thought, well, I can't. Don't you understand? That's what's wrong. (laughs) If I could stretch it out, I wouldn't need healing. You heal me and I'll go ahead and stretch it out for you. This is how you stay sick. I said, this is how you stay sick. Well, preacher, comes at me and see what you can do. No, thank you. It requires faith. Did you hear me? Well, if the Lord would do something, then I could do something. Uh Uh-uh. It's not the way it works. How do you walk on the water? By faith. How can a paralyzed... We read about this just last week. How can a paralyzed man get up and take his bed and go home? How can he do it? Had a fellow in healing school some years ago. He'd been in a car accident and was burned. I forget what degree it was, but it was terrible. He was in the hospital for I don't know how many months. And his muscles were burnt deep in the tissue. And they were drawn. And he was, he was like this. And he, he could barely move. People helped him move around. He was in healing school for two weeks. And uh, we preached on miracles. We're going to have some miracles right here tonight. Lord's already told me what to do. We're going to do it here in just a minute. And it's going to happen. Go ahead. You can get excited right now. Just... You watch and see. And we prayed and believed God for miracles. He was up in the healing line. And uh, the Lord dealt with me. Now, several times he's dealt with me like this. He said, grab his hand and tell him, let's run. Well, he can't. You understand? He's like this. You know, they have to move him and virtually carry him. Now, here's where you you miss it. Are you you obey? Stretch forth what? Yeah, but it doesn't work. What do you do? Hmm? Well, Lord, you heal it and I'll stretch it out. No, it's unbelief. If the Lord tells you to stretch forth your hand, You must believe he wouldn't tell you to do something that you can't do. You you must know he already knows what's going on with the hand for he told you to stretch it out. Right? He knew that. And yet he still told you. Stretch it out. What happens? Here's what happens. If by faith you say, all right, okay. 
And maybe you tried to make that hand work untold thousands of times before and you never could make it work. But now it's different. He told you. He told you. By faith, you begin to stretch that hand out. And when you reach the end of what you can do, you meet the power of God. That's faith. Faith is not just inactivity. It's saying, so what the Bible says in James, faith without works is dead. It's believing, expecting, and acting on what you believe. I told this guy, I said, let's me and you run. He said, okay. Hmm? Thank God he didn't say, are you crazy? Can you not see? Hmm? That's the people that stay in their condition. I grabbed his hand. I'm half dragging him. (laughs) It took us a long time. (laughs) to get around half of the auditorium. I don't do this all the time. I don't just, you don't try to make things happen. And you don't try to make God do something. That's not what faith is all about. It's when he tells you. Stretch forth your hand. You do what he told you to do. Now some folks say the Lord told them to do something and they fell on their face and he never told them to do it. They just dreamed up something. But here we went. He's sweating. I could tell he's hurting. He looked at me. I looked at him. I said, here we go again. (laughs) Went about halfway. I said, you stay with it. There was other people in the front for me to minister to. I went back and started praying for people, laying hands on people. It was a long healing line, so I guess it was probably 45 minutes. I looked up in about 10 minutes. He was still shuffling around. He looked at me, I said, run, stay with it, run. He said, yeah, <laughs> kept on motivating. It must have been, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes later. I don't know. I'd look up once in a while. He's still with it. Still with it. And I heard, glory to God. I heard, glory to God. And I saw him zip across the bank. I'm not talking about something I heard. I was there. I saw it. I saw him run. About that time he come by the front grinning at me like the cat that got the canary. (laughs) A miracle. They told him his legs would never be right again. It was burnt so deep and it was all drawn and damaged. He was standing straight. He was running. 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 Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Do you believe in miracles today? Do you believe that all things are possible to him or her that believes? You believe that? Do you believe that just like the Lord wants a sheep out of a ditch, he wants every one of us healed? Wants every one of us healthy and whole? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.